today on Ag News Daily. There's nothing holding it up right now other than the House itself. Um, so uh, language has to be presented to the House. The text of a bill, it does have to come from the administration. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here flying solo today for today's podcast. Delaney is winging her way south to beautiful, scenic, Amarillo, Texas, she's heading down there to talk to a group of financiers, so we'll be sure to get her back on tomorrow, and, you know, we'll see what she's learned there about panhandle agriculture when she gets back. There's always something to learn when you get down there. She's not too far. Well, she's right in the heart of uh, cattle feeding country, so we'll see what she learns. I've got some news for us today. I've got the markets for us today, uh, unfortunately. Um, pretty well, everything except hogs was... Uh, what was down today. Uh, not not a great day. We saw that sell-off continue. Uh, we'll get to that here in just a little bit. Like I say, I've got a couple news stories for us, but the big story today happened in Iowa, almost in my backyard. We had Iowa's junior senator, uh, Joni Ernst, come in and do a roundtable discussion with a group of farmers and business people here from Iowa. And the topic of conversation was the trade war, USMCA, and the ongoing tariffs with China. The roundtable was held at Kinsey Manufacturing. A lot of you are probably familiar with the the blue planters, blue uh, blue grain carts. That's Kinsey. And um, they, of course, go through a lot of steel. So they were the hosts, and it was put on by the AEM, the American Equipment Manufacturers Association. And um, it was a really good talk. Basically, the section we're going to play today, I'm going to split it up into two parts. And today we're going to hear from the initial uh, kind of first 15 minutes where the business people and farmers talk about the impacts they've seen. And um, the farm side, I think a lot of our listeners are going to understand, will definitely relate to what was talked about quite a bit when we, you know, sell offs and soybeans and so forth. Um but what was interesting to me was how the steel manufacturers or, or steel users have been impacted by these tariffs. And then also there was a craft distiller in the crowd and or at the round table. And he talked about how their whiskey sales have been hit by the tariffs. I thought it was fascinating. We'll play that today. And then tomorrow we'll get to the wrap up. And uh, Senator Joni Ernst talks a little bit about what she anticipates coming down the road. So be sure to stay tuned. Well, to kick off the news story today, we had uh, an announcement from the USDA. Uh, NAS came out, and they announced that they are not going to collect any data on the volume of harvested grain lost in the farms that were flooded in Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, and the Dakotas. Um, we all saw those pictures of full grain bins being surrounded by floodwaters, being inundated by the water and then you know collapsing and, and ruining all that grain usda says they are not going to try to total that up at all uh here was their quote lance honig who is the crops branch chief of the uh, of nas he said quote as of right now we don't have any intention of collecting anything on grain that was lost and that's that so we're not going to see any amendments to any future quarterly grain stocks reports um i, I guess we're just going to have to mentally subtract whatever you think was lost out there when we get those reports here um, next quarter, or at the end of this quarter, rather. So I thought that was interesting. Not even going to try to make an effort. I, I, he doesn't really give a reason. Um, 
basically just that that's, they're just not going to do it. Hmm. So there we go. We also have uh, some other news coming out of really the Great Plains. This is a lawsuit. Uh, I saw a lot of folks were talking about this on Twitter, and it is uh, it was unveiled yesterday. Basically, it's a lawsuit fired, filed by RCAF, the uh, Ranchers Cattlemen Action Legal Fund and United Stock Growers of America, and four of their cattle feeding ranchers filed this lawsuit alleging that the four largest U.S. beef packing companies have been violating federal antitrust law and conspiring to drive down prices they paid ranchers for cattle. Basically, they're looking at, at fat cattle. So well, they paid feed yards. Uh, this was a Reuters report. Uh, so what RCAF is looking at, they're saying retail beef prices have remained exceptionally high, and yet packers are paying less and less for fat cattle, so their allegation is that there is some kind of um, anti-competitive action going on. Uh, there's a 104-page complaint that was filed yesterday, and um, basically it, it kind of follows some of the tactics that uh, other lawsuits have used in the past to try to uh, allege price fixing between Tyson and JBS uh, for their broilers and pork. So that's kind of the model that RCAF is looking at. Tyson, of course, turned around and said the lawsuit was baseless, and they said there was no merit to the claim that they colluded on chicken and pork prices. And uh, then it went on to say Tyson wants its suppliers to succeed. Well, you know, kind of. I mean, I'm sure they do. They need to buy fat cattle from somebody, but if they can succeed at break-even, I think Tyson's going to be a lot happier. Um Basically, they're saying that uh, the importation of foreign cattle at a loss, closing slaughter plants, and reducing slaughter and purchase volumes all combine to drive down the price of, uh, of fat cattle out in the field. And that is the RCAF allegation, price fixing. So we will see. It does appear that this is going to make it to court. Um, and we'll just keep an eye on it. Uh, basically... Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I'm not a legal scholar. I'm not even going to jump into it. Um, but RCAF, Bill Bullard, who is the uh, chief executive for RCAF, of course, a lot of our listeners have seen him on television and other places. Uh, he said that, quote, we hope U.S. cattle ranchers can be compensated for years of significant losses. So that's the end goal. Try to uh, get some kind of payment out of the big four and, you know, use that to, you know, help help guys balance sheets, I suppose. So we'll keep an eye on it. Don't yet know, don't yet know what's going to happen to it, but it's definitely, a, definitely a story that's going to be taking place here in the protein industry for at least the next little while, assuming a judge keeps it in. Next, I want to turn our attention south of the equator. I want to go down to Brazil. Like I said, we're going to talk a lot of trade and trade war and tariff stuff here in just a little bit. But we've got news that Brazil's vice president is expected to visit China here this next month. Uh, he is going to travel on May 16th and stay for 10 days with stops in Beijing and Shanghai. And um, I'm going to mispronounce the fellow's name. This is the vice president, Hamilton Morau, I believe. And uh, he is a former general. And apparently he has recently gotten into a little bit of fight with the uh, the sons of the president, Jair Bolsonaro, 
and right, I don't know what that means, but it certainly sounds like they're trying to kick this guy out of the country for a little bit, and he's choosing to go to China. The reason this is interesting, obviously, Brazil and China have become much closer here in this past year, as Brazil has been shipping a heck of a lot more beans over to China in the absence of us being in the market. But also, during the election for president last year, Jair Bolsonaro, the new president of Brazil, sounded a lot like Donald Trump. He did not trust China. He did not really want to be doing business with China. He wanted to make sure that they were getting a, uh, a level playing field with China. And he used that in a lot of his campaign speeches, uh, very similar to the election of, of uh, President Trump in this country. So here... We've got him still going out there saying the stuff he, he feels as though he, he needs to say and to do politically against China, but they're sending this morale, this vice president, he's going to go over to China, he's going to try to smooth things over and kind of take this pragmatic approach, recognizing that China has become a huge part of the Brazilian economy. So he's taking off and heading over there May 16th. Assuming we get some leaks and some stories out of China, we'll be sure to keep up to date and see exactly what's going on over there. What are they talking about? The big question in my mind is, will China write a big check to improve infrastructure in Brazil? That's my million dollar question. They've been doing it piecemeal. Could this be the start of a, a grand bargain, so to speak? where China just get loans Brazil at an exceptionally low rate, a pile of money, and Brazil starts paving roads and built railroad tracks into Mato Grosso, Mato Grosso del Sol, and uh, these other soybean-producing regions of the interior. That would be a game changer. So we'll keep an eye on it. One other piece of news before we jump into the markets. There was a survey that was just released by Cargill in the news again, this time a, a little better reason. Um, they said that... Uh, Consumers continue to see meat, fish, and eggs as a healthy part of an environmentally responsible diet. This is good news. I mean, I think of all the talk we had about the Impossible Burger going into Burger King. We hear about how cow grains are causing problems for the environment, etc., etc. You know, agriculture in particularly production livestock has gotten quite a bad rap over the past 10 years from an environmental perspective. However, in spite of all of the bad press, consumers still believe that what the American farmer is doing is environmentally sustainable, or at least environmentally responsible. I should say that was the word used in the survey. I think that's a great thing. I think that speaks volumes to the amount of trust that the American consumer has in the American farmer, despite all of the tiffs that we see going on with Michael Pollan here and, you know, so-and-so over here and blah, 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 blah. At the end of the day, the consumer, A, likes eating meat, fish, and eggs, and B, trusts the American farmer to do it right. So I think this was really good news for those of us in agriculture. Obviously, you know, we can't sit back and, and not tell folks what we're doing and why we're doing it, but I think it kind of shows that advocacy is working. We're having an impact. We're counteracting all of these negative stories. And uh, that's something we should be celebrating. At a time of low commodity prices, it's often tough to find an opportunity to celebrate a win. But this is one. 
I'm, I'm really excited to see that. Uh, it was a global survey as well. So it wasn't just U.S. It was uh, global consumers looking at global farming and ranching practices. So all in all, positive news right there. Well, that does it for positive news, ladies and gentlemen. Unless, of course, you're an end user. You had a great day in the markets today. Let's jump in and uh, see where they wrapped up. Folks, our markets are brought to us, as always, by our great friends over at the Zaner Group. Remember, you can give them a shout right now. Help Use them to help manage your marketing risk. You can reach them at 312-277-0050, or you can visit them on the web at Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R.com, and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. Well, as I mentioned, it's red all down the screen today with the exception of lean hogs. Starting off in the corn market, July contract down four and a quarter at 356 even. December new crop down three and three quarters to finish at 376 even. In soybeans, the July was off six and three quarters cents. Yesterday's sell-off continued. Closed the day at 868 and three quarters. New crop November down six and three quarters as well to finish at 889 and a half. In Chicago, we the July contract down six and a half cents at 438 and a half December down five and a half finished at 462 and three quarters weakness continued on into the cattle complex June live cattle down two dollars 77 and a half cents finishing the day at 118.35 the August contract down to 37.50 finishing 115.82 and a half in feeder cattle the August contract down two dollars 97 and a half cents just shy of limit three dollars down closed at 156 72 and a half september down two dollars 97 and a half at 157 87 50. the lone bright spot today was in the lean hog market the june contract was up 40 cents on the day at 92 77 50 with the july up 45 cents to close at 97 65 and dairy we saw some mixed trade in the dairy contracts earlier today for class three milk well excuse me all of them closed higher the may contract was up one penny at 1588 with the june up three cents at 1609 without further ado ladies and gentlemen i'm going to turn it over to iowa's junior senator Joni ernst and her talk her roundtable about tariffs and trade and the usmca agreement going forward if i can uh have everyone's attention uh let's say Welcome to Kinsey Manufacturing. I am Brian McCown. I'm the Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer. I also serve on the Ag Sector Board for uh, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, and we are just really pleased uh, to have the turnout that we have here this morning on a very important topic to uh, our industry and uh, our region as a whole. And uh, very pleased that Senator Ernst Thank could you. join us this morning. And with that, I will I will turn it over to yeah, thank you very much. Um, I think we'll we'll have a very productive discussion today and focusing on, of course, trade and what free trade means uh, for the United States. And, of course, we have a number of initiatives moving through uh, Congress right now. Um, first and foremost, the USMCA, which is imperative that we get done soon. So uh, we are focusing on that. Uh, the House will move first with the USMCA. It does have to come from the House because it is considered a revenue bill. 
So they will start through their Ways and Means Committee, hopefully uh, have plenty of support there, move it through, and then pass it on to the United States Senate. And I don't see any issues right now. There had been some initial concerns uh, in gathering support in the House, but I, I think that has gone by the wayside. I think there is plenty of support for moving it now. We just need to continue to encourage the movement. So. Um, we hopefully will see this done in short order uh, through through uh, the USMCA. Now the next priority, of course, is China and making sure that we get the deal done with China. And that includes, of course, discussions on tariffs as well. And I think we'll have a really good discussion about that today. Uh, China, uh, when I last spoke with Robert Lighthizer just a couple weeks ago, he was very encouraging on where we were with China. And he felt that largely negotiations are done. The only issue uh, really remaining out there is enforcement mechanisms and how do we enforce any trade agreement that's put into place and that's where China and the United States seems to be uh, butting heads a little bit going back and forth but he he felt pretty positive about the direction we were going so I again in short order I hope that we actually see the deal with with China done um, tariffs that is an issue that needs to be addressed and the president had said many months ago that once we have deals in place then we should be able to remove the tariffs I agree let's get these deals in place and let's get rid of these tariffs um, what we see right now <clears throat> pardon me is a lot of um, uh, purchasing by China kind of one-off deals with pork and soybeans you know that's great in the short term to help bolster us but uh, we need long-term resolution and that means getting the trade deals done so I remain cautiously optimistic um, things have not moved as uh, fast as I had hoped they would, but I still think that we will see these trade deals done, uh, which will be good news for our manufacturers and good news for our farmers and ranchers. So um, just want to thank everybody for being here today, and I, I really look forward to our discussion. I think it will be very helpful. Um, I'll certainly be ready to take your voices and your concerns back to D.C. So thank you. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm Dennis Slater. I'm president of the association and food manufacturers. We're, we're based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but we've met several times on other discussions. And, you know, I appreciate your, your comments on tariffs, uh, especially the U.S. With, with Canada and Mexico. This is very concerning to us. Uh, you know, a year ago we had some of these meetings and here we are again, you know, another year later still having this discussion. And I, I think the manufacturers represent about a thousand manufacturers in the U.S. You know, they've done a good job up to now trying to accommodate this, but in a long-term plan, it, it's very difficult for them to stay competitive, especially in export markets. The, the timing of these, do you know with, the, with Mexico, Canada especially, is this something imminent or is this something holding it up? Well, no, there's nothing holding it up right now other than the House itself. Um, so uh, language has to be presented to the House, the text of a bill. It, it does have to come from the administration. Then they'll take it up through Ways and Means. I, the assumption is it will be passed out of Ways and Means, go to the floor, and then be voted on. So there is a, a timeline, and, and my staff has presented me with a timeline. And there are different, um, different time hacks that have to be met in order to keep it filibuster-proof, um, amendment-proof. Uh, 
So I imagine that the House will follow those timeframes, uh, but the administration needs to be working with the House on, on how to get this through. But I, once it's presented, I don't see any issues, and which is better because about a month or so back, I would have said we'd have trouble getting it through the House. But I think um, just a lot of great effort has been out there with a number of different groups really talking to their members and explaining the importance of the USMCA and why it gets done. So I think we've started to see a lot more of our House members come on board. So once, once the ball gets rolling over there, I don't think we're going to see any issues. Thank you, Dennis. I think we have uh, other business owners around the, the table here today that uh, we would encourage to share uh, your views or questions uh, with the Senator. And uh, if you do, just please introduce yourself and, and your company. Um, but that's the, the purpose of, of the roundtable, so please feel free to speak up. And if I could just say, first of all, I'm Carrie Clark Phillips here on behalf of Americans for Free Trade and the Tariffs Hurt the Heartland campaign. And I want to thank you so much for being here. This You're is welcome. our, this will be our 15th town hall yeah. since we launched in September. Very good. And we brought together groups from consumers and retailers and manufacturers to tell the stories of the impacts good. of tariffs. Thanks, so, Carrie. Um, so with that, I'd like to <coughs> yeah, say thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, Carrie. I, <coughs> I too want to thank you. My name is Pam Johnson, and I farm in Floyd County. Sixth generation farmer, past president of the National Corn Grower Association. I think for me the uncertainty, especially now as we're going to the field to plant crops, is just killing us out there. And the promises that these trade agreements would get done in some kind of logical order, and it seems like now everything is up in the air. And the uncertainty with how we've been asked, is, is it possible to get USMCA passed this session? I guess mm -hmm. that would be my question to you. but. Um, for me, a farmer's income, 33% of our income, depends on trade. Right. And after we saw communities revitalized with the ethanol industry, this was to be our next big thing that we could work toward. And I think the biggest concern I have is the next generation. Mm -hmm. Lived through the 80s farm crisis, saw parents tell their kids don't come back, and I'm starting to see that now with the uncertainty. If you've got a great job in Chicago or anywhere else, why would you quit right now and come back when you're not sure if you're going to make a living? And when the University of Illinois at Champaign comes out with the documents this last month to say, um, this is the data and if you plant corn, you're going to lose this much money per acre. And if you plant beans, you're going to lose this much money per acre. I have never gone into a season planting a crop having to keep that in mind. And so it is just imperative for us to show Iowans that there is some certainty and that we can move forward and that we're not giving a pass to all our competitors around the world. Right. No, great points. Thank you. Did did you want to do introductions first and then do round? Can, yes. round why don't we? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And then I'll come back and address some of these concerns. Yeah. Yep. So I'm Pam done. and Carrie and Angela Hoffman, American. And Angela. Yeah. Thank you. I'm John Heistoffer, farmer from uh, about 35 miles south of here, mm -hmm. and uh, chairman of the American Soybean Association. Mm -hmm. I'm Nicole Halladine with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Yeah, Hey, Senator, I'm Mike Ralston with ABI, the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. 
My name is Steve Noah. I'm on the board with Carrie and Angela, and I have been doing international business since 1991. Yeah, thank you very much. And I'm Jeff Quint with Cedar Ridge Distillery, and we've been doing uh, international business since last July. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome We're aboard. Times, <laughs> 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 Welcome aboard. I'm Barbara Solberg. I am with the Cedar Rapids Metro Economic Alliance. We represent 1,200 uh, business members in the Cedar Rapids, Iowa City metro area. And these two gentlemen are two of our members that have stories to tell that um, I can really put a shine of light on. Thank you. And I would echo what Pam said about the certainty, business like certainty, just like farmers do. And um, so the quicker this is resolved, the better it is for business. Right, absolutely. Mark Thank Taney, you. Proto Americas in Cedar Rapids. We've been exporting for 26 years. Okay. I'm Mark Perry, out responsible for operations here at Kinsey. Mm -hmm. yeah. Brian McCown with Kinsey Manufacturing. I'm Daniel Hetty. I'm uh, handle policy for the Iowa Farm Bureau Federation. I'm here on behalf of um, our farmers throughout the state who are a little busy right now planting, right. so um, they, they just dispatched uh, me out here to speak on Thank you. Appreciate it. Tip Ida Burgles with the yeah. Richard Dix. I've been here at Kinsey for six years. I'm the Senior Director of Supply Chain. Thank you very much. Good morning. Thank you everybody for being here. I'm Susie Kinzema Beach, President of Kinsey and second generation owner. I'm Marcia Kinsabaugh, and um, I'm involved in various roles at Kinsey Manufacturing and related to these two. <laughs> and I'm John Kinsenbaugh, and I just tell everybody I've been here 54 years. Yeah. <laughs> and we're very glad for it. <laughs> Thank you. We've been exporting John since uh, the early 1980s, correct? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Impressive. Um, I do want to go back uh, and thank you all very much for being here and, and thank you for hosting. We really appreciate this and, and the opportunity to get everybody together. And, and Pam, what you have brought up has been um, echoed by, by many of our farmers across the state. Um, no, you know, no size limit, small, large, whatever. Um, we all know the pressures exist out there, and the certainty, you're absolutely correct, is uh, a big concern. And with commodity prices the way they are, it is, of course, significant interest that we get uh, these trade deals done. So uh, the USMCA, I, I do think that it, it will be completed in this Congress, um, and it's imperative, I think, especially not only if you look at economics, just making sure that we get it done sooner rather than later, but politically. The president wants to see this done. People want to see this done and be able to walk away and say, look, we did something good uh, for our manufacturers. We did something good for our farmers. Um, it's a win for everyone, and not, not just Republicans, not just Democrats, but all together, this is a win for our country. Right. So everybody wants to see it done, um, and, and I do think that we'll see this coming up. I, I think I, you can never say for certain because there are so many things that can happen, but this is one that I feel very good about. So I'm, I'm glad we've seen the progress that we have. Um, I still do get concerned about the tariffs, and... Um, I'm sure some of you will be able to provide feedback on tariffs. I'd like to, to hear some of those stories 
and understand that because I love to go back and share with either you know uh, Rep Lighthizer, Trade Rep Lighthizer, and the President just what I'm hearing directly from our individuals in Iowa because those stories do make a difference when you're laying it out for them, not just X dollars and Y dollars, but this is a person, this is a family that is impacted by the tariffs. Um, so, you know, perhaps we could hear um, some of the issues and, and challenges you're facing. So this was a great example. Thank you. I do hear a lot um, from our young and beginning farmers. Uh, we had a Farm Bureau out not long ago, and we had uh, a young family uh, that was just entering the, the farming business with his folks, and he now has had to take employment off of the farm. Um, he cannot farm full-time right now. So his father will continue with farm operations, and in the meantime, he is working to get additional income for the family by taking a full-time job off of the farm. I'm hearing a lot of those yeah. stories. But, um, yes, so that that's important. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe others want to share some challenges. Well, Senator, I'll go yeah. on the other okay, farmer John. here. Okay. Uh, yeah, so... Um, you know, we've, we've spent the uh, last 35, 40 years, I reckon, uh, at least soybean growers have, uh, trying to uh, cultivate that export relationship mm -hmm. with, with China. And we spent hundreds of uh, millions of dollars, along with what the government has also spent money through uh, uh, foreign market right. access yep. and, and market development. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, all those funds just seem like they've been lost. Mm -hmm because we're back where we started again. 60% uh, of soybeans are exported in the United States, and 53% of those went to China. So to lose a customer like that has been really uh, upsetting to mm -hmm. And uh, yes, we, we, uh, you know, we were down a couple dollars a bushel last year, and we got the market facilitation program, which was great. But we didn't sell those soybeans, mm -hmm. and now they're all stacked up, mm -hmm. and we kind of where to go with them. I mean, we got markets, but they're small compared mm -hmm. to, to our biggest customer. And, and to go along a little bit with what Pam said, um, you know, in, in the Dakotas, um, they couldn't get rid of their soybeans this fall. And so they're planting 28% more corn this year, because at least they can go to an ethanol plant or somewhere and get rid of it. They couldn't even get rid of their soybeans because they all went out to the Pacific Northwest. So it's 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 been pretty uh, pretty tough on on the farming community. And to go right along with that, if I can take just another mm -hmm. second, um, you know we the we 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 may have it may be the soybean crop that we're losing money on, but the steel and aluminum tariffs hurt mm -hmm. us on equipment. Uh, on our grain bins, our livestock facilities, so that, that we're getting, and even our our livestock, uh, you know, we have a lot of pork to China, and hopefully that's going to pick up because uh, I hate to say this African swine flu, mm -hmm. but uh, um, but it, it all adds in. Yeah, it sure does. Um, and with with the steel and aluminum tariffs as well, especially. What we see with Canada and, and Mexico, the, the Section 232 tariffs, um, which it, it's national security. 
And I disagree with utilizing that section for national security when it comes to Mexico and Canada. I, I still have yet to be convinced of the reasoning behind using that section on, uh, for tariffs with our neighboring partners in trade. So Rob Portman and I, and we do have a number of other co-sponsors as well, but we do have a bill that would address that and the utilization of Section 232. It would not be up to the president to determine what is a national security um, issue. It would be left up to the Department of Defense. That's who determines what our national security interests are, um, where we need to provide for defense. Uh, so it makes sense to me that it would be the Department of Defense determining what countries are a threat to our national security, not the President of the United States. So this would pull back the power from the administration, place it where we believe as Congress it should be. Um, that determination would come then through uh, the Secretary of Defense. So uh, we have not been able to move yet on that legislation, but we would like to see that enacted so that this is not used against what we would consider good trade partners in the future. So it's not helping right now, but we do hope that we can address that issue and alleviate future concerns about um, what is and what is not a, a security threat to the United States. But yeah, I don't believe that that has been properly used, especially with Canada and Mexico. Well, folks, we're going to end it right there for today. Tune back in tomorrow. We will have the rest of that roundtable discussion. Um, it's just, I think it's fascinating to have an insider's perspective. Um, and tomorrow we'll hear uh, Senator Ernst go into a little bit on her opinions of, of perhaps how this trade war has been uh, fought and it's interesting. You know, these are uh, these are people in D.C. who are dealing with the things that affect our bottom line every single day. You know, any chance we can get to get tuned into what they're thinking, it is a win for us, I believe, in the long run. In the meantime, folks, if you want a quick win, go to www.agnewsdaily.com. You can find all of our past episodes there. That link will take you to our new home at the Global Ag Network. You can check out all of our past episodes as well as the other podcasts on the network. And there are some fantastic shows if you're not familiar with it. Hop onto that website poke around a little bit, see what you can find. You will unearth some gems. And as always, you can interact with us on Facebook and on Twitter. Just search for Ag News Daily. We will be there. Delaney will be back tomorrow. I will probably also be back tomorrow, I hope. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you're back tomorrow, and I'm going to let you go.